0: You ever get the feeling that everything in America is
1: completely fucked up? You know that feeling? That the whole country is like one inch away from saying, that's it, forget
0: it! But yeah, we just gotta exit the country or exit the show, really. You know, like Trump exits an interview and not get anything done, cause you got a week to the election. And this week's gonna be really, really long. I'm Robert. I'm Sarah. And this is Pump Up the Minute. We're here today to talk about minutes 85 to 88 of Pump Up the Volume, which begin with Emerson. Uh Since she has been fired, I guess she's illegally trespassing while stealing school files, so possibly felonies here. I'm not sure. I forgot to look that up. Uh, she's opening the file cabinet in Crestwood's office.
1: I like that it's just like that one tiny little filing cabinet, and it seems cool. It's like the American flag right there mm-hmm. next to that. <laughs>
0: Actually, the filing cabinet, I, I did have notes on that because um, it's only two drawers, which yeah, means this is not the whole school. No, definitely not. Uh, Saugus High School has 2,400 students. Mesa High School, since this is a suburb of Mesa, has over 3,400. So basically, this little cabinet is just the troublemakers. It also mm-hmm. is out of place. It's slightly in touching the window frame like it was yeah. positioned badly, and it's in front of an outlet. So just like we heard earlier, they move this cabinet into the office the Crescent's office to keep it together. To it. So that's a nice touch. Um, but also, I think some of the prop people screwed up because when they pulled the drawers out and put them back, they put the one with the lock on the bottom, which is not how these cabinets work. But yeah, she opens it up. We get an insert shot of her grabbing Chavez Louis and pulling out the file and taking it with her. And then we go to Mark outside, and he is walking around near the FCC trucks, which is not the way off school grounds. Yeah. Which, if we're paying attention, means he's already planning to go on the air, because he's checking out what's going on.
1: He's just kind of wandering around, so I guess planning what he's yeah. going to do later.
0: <laughs> he's like, they have trucks to triangulate. How do I get around this? So he's thinking. Then in the script it says, a limousine glides up to the cluster of yellow FCT trucks. The press are waiting. A slick politician type steps out. He is Arthur Watt, 50, of the FCC. He arrogantly acknowledges the flashbulbs as his due. So... Watts is supposed to be an arrogant little dude as he presents. Shep is already coming up to him before he even gets out of the car. There he is, Mr. Watts, Mr. Watts, Shep Shepard, Channel 6 News here. And Watts immediately gets out of the car, says, good evening. He knows he's, he knows he's on the news. He's having a good time. And Shep asks him, how does Washington intend to deal with this situation? Uh, in the script, Watts says, good evening, rumors and falsehoods notwithstanding, and then says the line again in the, script We at the FCC feel that democracy is all about protecting the rights of the ordinary citizen. Unregistered radio will result in programming of the lowest common denominator, the rule of the mob.
1: Was it unregistered or unregulated?
0: Yes, yeah, he registered unregulated. Sorry
1: it's okay. misread my own script. <laughs> it's odd that he said protecting the rights rather than protecting the safety. there's always this rights versus safety mm. kind of <laughs> not jargon exactly, but it's the word I'm looking for. I don't know. Not propaganda, exactly. But this this whole idea of whether we have, like, rights versus safety. And you would think the argument almost should be, not that I would agree with the argument that the FCC would be protecting the safety of the ordinary citizen by not having them (laughs) subject to unregulated radio. But saying programming of the lowest common denominator is just kind of funny. Because that's what we actually got in the 1990s. (laughs) With all of the, what we talked about before, the rise of the shock jock yeah. era <laughs> and Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity and all those people who are dominating now. But I don't think their radio is unregulated.
0: No. <laughs> we, we, we got both. We yeah. got regulated radio, which is still programming at the lowest common denominator.
1: And we actually have the role of an authoritarian mob mm-hmm. in power now. So, um, but who
0: wants an unregulated, uh, social media.
1: Exactly. That's one of the things they're fighting to do in this last week before the election is get rid of some of these social media rules, like on Twitter, where you have that extra step before you can tweet, like, and it's asking you if you want to read, are you sure you want to read, are you sure you want to post without reading this article? And Facebook has a few things that they've implemented as well, so they're fighting hard to get rid of Get rid those, of Watts. Yeah, because it slows them. So it doesn't get rid of them, but it slows them down.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and for like a day, it would have stopped them because they would have had to reprogram. Yeah. Uh, as Watts is talking, he's walking along. The script says to get the press a better photo opportunity. He's walking over to the trucks, but he discovers the trucks have already been hit by Hard Harry's graffiti commandos. I love that Maz is just standing right there. <laughs> we don't know that he's done any of the graffiti, but he's just standing no. right there.
1: He made a sign. There's no reason we should think he's a...
0: (laughs) The only one we know has done graffiti is Janie. Yeah. Uh, And Watts says, this is vandalism, not free expression. And uh, the script calls him Pompous Watts. He hates to be embarrassed. He's furious. And then we cut to Mark's studio, where he grabs uh, some switch box from underneath a, a rubber penis with an action figure on it. And then he grabs some other box that might be some sort of battery. He grabs the red box with the middle finger on air light on it, and we cut to a wide shot and we see that he drops that one particularly in the trash. And so this is a weird sequence because depending on how it's edited, you don't take it either of the ways the script expects you to. But the script wants you to first think he's dismantling everything and he gave up. Then the script wants you to think he's building something dangerous. Yeah. And I don't remember ever thinking either of those things.
1: Yeah, I don't think I really thought either of those things either. I just thought, here's a bunch of electrical equipment that I don't know what it is. Right. Because electricity is the first test I ever failed in the sixth grade, and (laughs) I don't understand. (laughs) thought I wanted to be a scientist until I had to take that 20-question multiple-choice test and got nine right. And Obviously, there are many types of scientists, but as an 11-year-old kid who got a 45 on an exam, I was like, what is happening here? We still don't understand a lot of his Most and of it, about. a lot of his
0: equipment, I'm still not sure if it's the right equipment. He has things he doesn't need. I did like that the battery-looking thing has red and blue wires pumping out of it. It looks kind and, of like a heart, the way yeah. they're arranged, like their arteries and veins.
1: One of the things that I liked is that Watts is just named Watts yeah. because when I think about these these few minutes, the section of this script, electric. For many reasons, it's just the word that comes to mind mm-hmm. most, so it's well-named.
0: <laughs> uh, weird thing on Mark's desk, uh, call bells from like a hotel desk, he has at least four of them. Three of them are right next to each other, so I guess he uses those a lot on his show, even though we haven't seen him use them. Uh, he picks up a big box with a handle, which is a portable generator from Kohler, uh, and if we know electronics, we might notice the soldering iron nearby, which means we already know he's going to make something because it is plugged in, and he puts the larger switch box, which we will learn later is his harmonizer, on top of it. And that's when we cut – this was a nice cut, speaking of electronics and everything. Mm-hmm. We cut from him to the text in the back of one of the news vans with all their equipment. And then we get a nice pullback shot where we see Shep getting his hair and makeup done. We see the another reporter from KTUN, which I think it's the one with the horribly inane questions from last oh. night. <laughs> does, does this affect your homework? Oh. Yeah, so she is interviewing Jamie, and then we cut. Away, we follow away from her, we follow a girl in a wedding dress, and on their sandwich board on their back says, marry me, Harry, and she runs into the crowd. And we see the script says that the media are buying tapes from Donald, and they're paying big bucks, but we see it's just teenagers buying tapes from yeah. Donald. I would point out Donald now is also wearing a Letterman jacket. He doesn't have a letter, but he is wearing a Letterman jacket. So people are representing their schools at this thing tonight, or it's just cold. It's definitely cold for filming, because we yeah. see people's breath. And then we get Corey, and I finally know who Corey is. Wow. Uh He's the mullet kid who turned on girls' LGBNAF back in Minute 15. And we have seen him at the field before, and he brings another guy over to Donald to buy some stuff. And then we get another shot of the crowd, and we see Cheryl is there leaning against a car. Paige is nearby. Doug slash Gordon is interacting with Jamie farther back. So all of the characters we've come to know, except for Alyssa but she might be too young, are out there. And then another car pulls in, so it's still getting bigger. And then we get another shot of Janie running through the crowd. She goes over to Jamie and says, hey, NBC's here. And if he goes on, they're going to rebroadcast him nationally. And Jamie says, there's no way he'll go on. It's too risky. And Janie says, oh, God, come on. And she grabs his hand and drags him with her. And we cut back to Mark soldering a wire onto a circuit board. And we get a couple shots of that. We get him screwing a fuse bulb into something. We don't know what he's doing. He rips open a bungee cord package, and we hear fireworks before we see them. In the script, it says, in his studio, Mark is now assembling something electrical, a timer. His face shows fierce concentration. Is he making a bomb? A sound? He jerks. His mother enters and takes in the dismantled room. Marta, just wanted to make sure you're okay. Mark, I am, for once. Marta knows he's the DJ. Marta. I'm glad you're not outside tonight. It's Dingbat. Some kid is on the roof of the gym. Later we will see it's Maz on the roof in the script. And is threatening to jump off if he doesn't go on. Mark winces. She tries to lighten the mood by laughing. It's a one-story building. He's bluffing. And Mark says softly, yeah, but how do you know that? Mark is thinking of Malcolm. A silence. Mark picks up a file, the electrical instrument, and leaves. He's going to do something drastic. And reading this in the script, that we're supposed to think he's building a bomb, had me thinking of uh, reading the anarchist cookbook in high school. And then I got down this whole internet rabbit hole where I was looking up the anarchist cookbook again. And a bunch of people on Reddit worried that if you even look up the anarchist cookbook, yeah. you're going to be on an FBI watch I remember
1: list. people talking about that. I'm like, oh, your search history would have really given people some... <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm like, have you seen the other things I've looked up for shows and shit? No. If there's a list, I'm already on it. But I did read the Anarchist Cookbook in high school, uh, but I learned recently that I didn't really think about what anarchy was at the time. The book is not anarchist, and most of its recipes are not necessarily inaccurate, but are horribly dangerous. They don't tell you how to take precautions to make things. And you're probably gonna blow yourself up if you even try to.
1: I have but- a really hard time believing that Mark would build a bomb. Like, nothing in his character suggests that he'd be a bomb builder.
0: No, I... I guess in a way, if someone had just seen Heathers and then they saw this, yeah. they might get that inkling that this is a smarter version of, uh, what's his character's name, JD, and that he's doing something like that. But um, continuing down my rabbit hole, though, I went from Anarchist Cookbook to a book called How to Survive High School with Minimal Brain Damage, which I confirmed existed, uh, found reference to it on the internet, because I remember in that book they had, among other like sort of sarcastic studying tips... They had instructions on how to build an atomic bomb to blow up your school, and it was basically throw a bunch of wires and atomic and nuclear energy into a bu- into a, I think it was an empty beer keg and hope. So it wasn't instructions at all. Just throw these things in there, something bad will happen. And then I um, forgot I was in the middle of doing my notes because then I got sidetracked by all these things, and it was the whole member berry thing if you if you know your South Park stuff. But so fireworks are set off. Over by the FCC trucks and Janie is dancing around and I'm like, oh, I wonder who did that. Cause she's also the one we know has done graffiti. She's dancing and screaming and we see, we get a nice stage shot of people watching this. Cause it's the truck with the speakers on it parked in front of the HHH on the gym wall. And we get Donald, Doug, Gordon, Corey and Chip. And there's some photographers over there like taking pictures. So it was a nice little stage shot. And then we see Janie dancing and screaming some more and that's when Heretic by Soundgarden kicks in and we see the noose get thrown over a baseball backstop. <laughs> Things are getting serious.
1: Yeah, so it's cool seeing Heretic by Soundgarden, we're hearing it in the film because in 1990, we have, in this film we have a lot of punk music, but 1990 we're getting ready to transition from Punk to Grunge or the bringing of punk music into the mainstream and Soundgarden released an EP called Loudest Love in October nineteen ninety and they first released this EP in Japan and then later in the US and the song heretic was part of this EP.
0: You said October? Yes. So it's another one where the movie it was after. It, before it was yeah, even out.
1: Exactly. And all music staff writer Greg Prato said the Loudest Love compilation is quite a find for hardcore fans of Soundgarden, so I'm not sure how available it is. He made it seem like it was a collector's hmm. item to be able to find this EP. And the lyrics are really good. Appropriate again. Um, great job with the <laughs> musical selections in this film. Heretic burn at the stake which float like a log. Wine from the blade on the night of the full moon. Voices that call, spirits in waiting, share the drink of the bond, a broth of roots and charm, spells under a twisted tree. Flask over fire, from cobwebs of cellars, turning metal into gold, a secret till the last words untold. Accused and convicted, for nothing I suffer, you fear, nailed to a burning cross, heretic, heretic. So are they trying to go for a, Marcus, Jesus or? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> We've already had that moment where we thought he was going to get caught and then he came back from the dead, yeah. you know. So yes, definitely a thing. But meanwhile, the one they're burning is what looks like a doll of crestwood that they stick in this noose. Uh, for some reason has a sash on that says the wolf.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and we get a shot of Cheryl all by herself. Uh, she's either cold or nervous, probably cold from the looks of everyone else's breath because she's shaking. We see people spraying lighter fluid on the the Crestwood effigy, and we see Eric and Doug messing around with a teddy bear for some reason. The effigy gets lit on fire, and there's a listener we've seen several times in his room, but he never got a name and never had a oh. line. <laughs> he is there hanging out with two other guys, including one with a letterman jacket from a different school, and a blonde extra, which I will come back to. They seem to be having a good time, even though something got, just got set on fire. They're not even alarmed by this at all.
1: yeah. The energy out there is the thing they said. It's electric, too. It's just mm-hmm. everybody's really hyped up. And-
0: well, yeah, the, the script calls this the anticipation montage. Yeah. <laughs> as we're checking with all these people, including the next shot is two people we haven't seen before in the film. Look like a father and son. They're just hanging out. And then we get a cool crane shot over the crowd. Uh, wedding dress girl is being interviewed over in the middle. There are cars all over. The FCC is off to the left. The news bands are off to the right. And at the bottom of the frame, even though we haven't seen them approach yet, we see Brian, Cresswood, Deaver, and Murdoch. And the script says this is a headquarters for four groups in the field. The school administration led by Keith, that's Brian, and Cresswood. The FCC team led by Watts. The press corps led by Shepard. The student fans led by Paige. Although Paige doesn't do much in the scene. She is there, but she's not doing much. And the script says all are hoping Mark will defy common sense and broadcast. And that's when we get Maz... Looking at his watch and saying, "Okay, everybody, everybody, ten seconds to Happy Harry Hard on," and then we get a countdown from everybody, starting from eight, seven. We get the shot of Doug and Gordon and Donald in the speaker truck. Donald's got a mic. The blonde extra is over behind him. So that was quick. Six, five, four. We get Janie and Jamie, and we get an extra with really big front teeth that's framed right between them. Three, two, one, we get Maz, and that same big tooth extra is off to his left, so that person's in two different places during the same countdown. And we get Donald and Doug and Gordon as nothing happens. We get Janie and Jamie. We get a random person in the background screaming Harry. Another person saying, shut up, you guys. And we get a shot of Cheryl. And then we come back to Maz and says, come on, we're right here waiting for you right now. And that's when we see the shot of the admin people approaching Brian, Crestwood, Deaver, and Murdoch. So even though they were already there, we now see them approaching in a different angle. And we hear a random voice say, he's going to come on just a little late now. And that's when we cut to a wall, which I realized the way this shot is done, they wanted us to think something bad was going to happen. But the music and the energy before it means we are not thinking that. Because it is shot low to the ground. We see his feet. We rise up. We don't see who he is. Like We know who he is, but we don't see his face which makes it sinister as he climbs over the wall and starts to walk toward a window. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I see they were trying to make it look like something bad is going to happen, but it just doesn't come across that way. No.
1: And
0: until you take the shot out of context. And then we get uh, Nora's room. Nora's on her bed, hugging a pillow. This red and black. This side of her room, we're seeing the other side of it is all red and black decorations. Very goth. And she's staring at the radio in the script uh, it says the hard, hairy clues are gone from the wall. Her face is washed, and we feel she blames herself for everything and doesn't know what to do, which I'm not sure I get
1: that comes across in the movie. Yeah, I don't think it does.
0: And Mark enters through the window behind her. He says, hi. She says, hi. He says, are you okay? And she says, yeah, fine, great. Never been better. <laughs> I
1: really like this part. It's the very first time that we actually see him check on her because mm-hmm. she's the initiator of basically yeah. every single communication that they have. Um, in the film, she seems a little bit out of character here, but as I continue to watch the scene, she seemed more herself and in character again. Yeah, and I think the out of character
0: moment is appropriate because she just got kicked out of school and she doesn't, she's listening for him to be on the air too, and he's not. So, her day's not going
1: well. No, and then after she says that, never been better, she's, starts playing with the pillow, irritated. Mm -hmm. I always notice those kind of things since I'm... A person who's constantly yeah. playing with something.
0: In, in the script, it's after she says, never been better, she turns off the radio because it's yeah. just static. Yeah. And she says, a lot of jerks out there are looking pretty stupid. <laughs> uh, and Mark says, we started something here. And I love this because it cuts to a shot of her. She's like, we? Yeah. <laughs> says, all right, I started, but now I need your help to finish it. And she gets up off the bed and walks over to him and he says, Nora, I need you.
1: Yeah, like that's... All she really, I don't know, that's what she's been waiting to hear the whole film. Because as soon as he says that he needs her help to finish it, then he needs her, it's like she softens immediately. Like he, She was just waiting for him. And
0: (laughs) even before he says, I need you, when he says, I need your help, she's already getting up from the bed and walking over. And he says, I need you. And she says, well, it's about time. And he says, I've got something to show you. And she goes call back to an earlier scene says, is it bigger than a baby's arm? He laughs, she laughs, you know, tension's broken a bit. And he says, no, it's outside.
1: And Christian Slater and Samantha Mathis have really terrific chemistry in this scene as well. Mm -hmm. I would have liked to see them maybe have more of these scenes earlier on, like maybe have her have a bigger role and have her with him because there's actually, I don't know, I want to say maybe two minutes total in the whole film of them actually interacting, but their scenes are great in their chemistry. And a a lot of that
0: is them being quiet, too, which is harder to have, Mm -hmm. like, show off chemistry that way, but they manage. And then we, we cut to outside as they run up to the wall, Nora looks over, and we see a shot of the Jeep with the large power unit, the larger power unit, not the one he was playing with on his desk, in the back of it, with the harmonizer on top and an antenna on the roll bar. We get a close-up shot of the antenna. Nora says, oh, wow. And Mark says, it's my mom's Jeep. She kind of loaned it to me as the shot tracks down with the other equipment. And we see the mic is sitting there. And Nora says, who did all this? As she climbs onto the wall and jumps down into the Jeep and goes right over to the driver's seat. And Mark says, me and Radio Shack. He climbs over and gets into the Jeep. She starts the engine as he says, you, you have driven a Jeep before. And in the script, she replies, hey, have you ever broadcasted nationally before? But the the segment ends with a close-up on Nora, her mouth open, she's excited, and she hits the gas. So, time for the final broadcast. Mm. I don't know why, I guess, because it just ended and I just said the phrase, about time. I'm going to promote two minutes about time one more time. That's a lot of the word time. (laughs) Uh, Because the show just ended with an interview with Richard Curtis, the director and writer of the film, last week. And you can go back and look at that. Uh, Me and Luke Allen looking at the time travel rom-com. Two minutes at a time.
1: And since Amy Coney Barrett, who has never tried a case, is going to be confirmed to the Supreme Court today with 60 million votes in the 2020 election already processed and having taken place, I'm going to ask everyone to listen to why this matters through a song history about abortion from Roe versus Wade up until today and you can hear that on life as a playlist and you can follow me on or at life as a playlist on facebook twitter and instagram speak out they can't stop you find your voice and use it keep this thing going pick a name
0: go on the air your life take charge of it do it try it
1: try anything fill your guts out say shit and fuck a million times if you want to but you decide Fill the air, steal it
0: Keep the air alive Follow this show On Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter At Pump Up the Minute, Or check LemmingDrops.com for links Talk hard! Everybody knows Everybody knows That's how it goes.